chapter one of the life of washington volume one by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one commission of cabot his voyage to america use of discovery relinquished by henry the seventh resumed by elizabeth letters patent to sir humphrey gilbert his voyages and death patent to sir walter raleigh voyage of sir richard grenville colonists carried back to england by drake grenville arrives with other colonists they are left on roanoke island are destroyed by the indians arrival of john white he returns to england for succor raleigh assigns his patent patent to sir thomas gates and others code of laws for the proposed colony drawn up by the king the united states of america extend on the atlantic from the bay of passamaquoddy in the forty-fifth to cape florida in the twenty-fifth degree of north latitude and thence on the gulf of mexico including the small adjacent islands to the mouth of the sabine in the seventeenth degree of west longitude from washington from the mouth of the sabine to the rocky mountains they are separated from spanish america by a line which pursues an irregular northwestern direction to the forty-second degree of north latitude whence it proceeds west to the pacific on the north they are bounded by the british provinces from which between the lake of the woods and the rocky or stony mountains they are separated by the forty-ninth parallel of north latitude their northern boundary west of these mountains has not yet been adjusted the extent of this vast republic in consequence of its recent acquisition of almost unexplored territory has not yet been accurately ascertained but may be stated at two millions of square miles its population which began on the atlantic and is travelling rapidly westward amounted in eighteen twenty according to the census of that year to nine millions six hundred and fifty four thousand four hundred and fifteen persons the enumerations which have been made under the authority of government show an augmentation of numbers at the rate of about thirty four per centum in ten years and it is probable that for many years to come this ratio will not be materially changed public sentiment to which the policy of the government conforms is opposed to a large military establishment and the distance of the united states from the great powers of the world protects them from the danger to which this policy might otherwise expose them the navy has become an object of great interest to the nation and may be expected to grow with its resources in april eighteen sixteen congress passed an act appropriating one million of dollars annually to its gradual increase and authorizing the construction of nine ships to rate not less than seventy-four guns each and of twelve to rate not less than forty-four guns each the execution of this act is in rapid progress inconsiderable as the navy now is with respect to the number and force of its ships it is deemed inferior to none in existence for the bravery and skill of its officers and men when we take into view the extensive sea-coast of the united states the magnificent lakes or inland seas which form a considerable part of their northern frontier the abundance of their materials for shipbuilding and the genius of their population for maritime enterprise it is not easy to resist the conviction that this bulwark of defence will at no very distant period attain a size and strength sufficient to ensure the safety of the nation and the respect of the world the net revenue of the united states amounted in the year eighteen twenty two to considerably more than twenty millions of dollars and unless a course of legislation unfavorable to its augmentation be adopted must grow with their population in arts in arms and in power they have advanced and are advancing with unexampled rapidity 
the history of their progress from the first feeble settlements made by europeans on a savage coast to the present state of greatness while it has just claims to the attention of the curious of all nations may be expected deeply to interest every american soon after the return of columbus from that memorable voyage which opened the vast regions of the west to civilized man the maritime states of europe manifested a desire to share with spain the glory the wealth and the dominion to be acquired in the new world by no one of these states was this desire carried into action more promptly than by england henry the seventh had received communications from columbus during the tedious and uncertain negotiations of that great man at the dilatory court of ferdinand which prepared him for the important discoveries afterwards made and inclined him to countenance the propositions of his own subjects for engaging in similar adventures commission of cabot on the fifth of march fourteen ninety five he granted a commission to john cabot an enterprising venetian who had settled in bristol and to his three sons lewis sebastian and sanctius empowering them or either of them to sail under the banner of england towards the east north or west in order to discover countries unoccupied by any christian state and to take possession of them in his name his voyage to america it does not appear that the expedition contemplated at the date of this commission was prosecuted immediately but in may fourteen ninety six cabot with his second son sebastian sailed from bristol in a small squadron consisting of one ship furnished by the king and four barks fitted out by merchants of that city and steering almost due west discovered the islands of newfoundland and st john's and soon afterward reached the continent of north america along which he sailed from the fifty-sixth to the thirty-eighth degree of north latitude in the vain hope of discovering a passage into the pacific thus according to the english historians was first discovered that immense continent which stretches from the gulf of mexico as far north as has yet been explored and to this voyage the english trace their title to the country they afterwards acquired by settlement and by arms france which has since contested with britain the possession of a considerable portion of this important territory has also advanced claims to its discovery but they seem not to be well founded the scheme of making settlements relinquished the ardor which had been excited in the bosom of henry for making acquisitions in the new world expired with his first effort cabot on his return found that monarch entirely disinclined to the farther prosecution of a scheme in which he had engaged with some zeal the commencement of which had been attended with encouraging appearances several causes are supposed to have contributed to suspend the pursuits of the english in america previous to its discovery the portuguese had explored the azores or western islands in consequence of which they claimed this continent and contended for the exclusion of the spaniards from the western ocean the controversy was decided by the pope who on the seventh of may fourteen ninety three of his own mere liberality and certain knowledge and the plenitude of apostolic authority granted to spain the countries discovered or to be discovered by her to the westward of a line to be drawn from pole to pole a hundred leagues west of the azores excepting such countries as might be in the possession of any other christian prince antecedent to the year fourteen ninety three and to portugal her discoveries eastward of that line the validity of this grant was probably strengthened in the opinion of henry by other circumstances he set a high value on the friendship of the king of spain with whom he was then negotiating the marriage which afterwards took place between his eldest son and catherine the daughter of that monarch ferdinand was jealous to excess of all his rights and henry was not inclined to interrupt the harmony subsisting between the two crowns by asserting claims to the country discovered by cabot 
which was obviously within the limits to which the pretensions of spain extended renewed by elizabeth the fisheries of newfoundland were carried on by individuals to a considerable extent and a paltry traffic was continued with the natives but no serious design of acquiring territory and planting colonies in america was formed until the reign of elizabeth when a plan for making permanent settlements was proposed and patronized by several persons of rank and influence to select a man qualified for this arduous task and disposed to engage in it was among the first objects to which their attention was directed sir humphrey gilbert had rendered himself conspicuous by his military services and by a treatise concerning the northwest passage in which great ingenuity and learning are stated by dr robertson to be mingled with the enthusiasm the credulity and sanguine expectation which incite men to new and hazardous undertakings on this gentleman the adventurers turned their eyes and he was placed at the head of the enterprise on the eleventh of june fifteen seventy eight he obtained letters patent from the queen vesting in him the powers that were required on receiving which he with the associates of his voyage embarked for america but his success did not equal his expectations the various difficulties inseparable from the settlement of a distant unexplored country inhabited only by savages the inadequacy of the supplies which could be furnished for a colony by the funds of a few private individuals the misfortune of having approached the continent too far towards the north where the cold barren coast of cape breton was rather calculated to repel than invite a settlement have been assigned as the probable causes of his failure two expeditions conducted by this gentleman ended disastrously in the last he himself perished having done nothing farther in the execution of his patent than taking possession of the island of newfoundland in the name of elizabeth sir walter raleigh alike distinguished by his genius his courage and the severity of his fate had been deeply interested in the adventures in which his half-brother sir humphrey gilbert had wasted his fortune and was not deterred by their failure or by the difficulties attending such an enterprise from prosecuting with vigour a plan so well calculated to captivate his bold and romantic temper fifteen eighty four patent to sir walter raleigh on the twenty sixth of march he obtained a patent from the queen and on the twenty seventh of april dispatched two small vessels under the command of captains amadis and barlow for the purpose of visiting the country and of acquiring some previous knowledge of those circumstances which might be essential to the welfare of the colony he was about to plant to avoid the error of gilbert in holding too far north amadis and barlow took the route by the canaries and the west india islands and approached the north american continent towards the gulf of florida on the second of july they touched at a small island situate on the inlet into pamlico sound whence they proceeded to roanoke near the mouth of albemarle sound after employing a few weeks in traffic with the indians from whom they collected some confused accounts respecting the neighbouring continent they took with them two of the natives who willingly accompanied them and embarked for england where they arrived on the fifteenth of september the splendid description which they gave of the soil the climate and the productions of the country they had visited so pleased elizabeth that she bestowed on it the name of virginia as a memorial that it had been discovered during the reign of a virgin queen raleigh encouraged by their report to hasten his preparations for taking possession of the property fitted out a squadron consisting of seven small ships 
laden with arms ammunition provisions and passengers fifteen eighty five voyage of sir richard grenville which sailed from plymouth on the ninth of april under the command of sir richard grenville who was his relation and interested with him in the patent having taken the southern route and wasted some time in cruising against the spaniards sir richard did not reach the coasts of north america until the close of the month of june he touched at both the islands on which amadas and barlow had landed and made some excursions into different parts of the continent around pamlico and albemarle sounds first colony having established a colony consisting of one hundred and eight persons in the island of roanoke an incommodious station without any safe harbour he committed the government of it to mr ralph lane and on the twenty fifth of august sailed for england an insatiate passion for gold attended by an eager desire to find it in the bowels of the earth for a long time the disease of europeans in america became the scourge of this feeble settlement the english flattered themselves that the country they had discovered could not be destitute of those mines of the precious metals with which spanish america abounded the most diligent researches were made in quest of them and the infatuating hope of finding them stimulated the colonists to the utmost exertions of which they were capable the indians soon discerned the object for which they searched with so much avidity and amused them with tales of rich mines in countries they had not yet explored seduced by this information they encountered incredible hardships and in this vain search wasted that time which ought to have been employed in providing the means of future subsistence mutual suspicion and disgust between them and the natives ripened into open hostility and the provisions brought from england being exhausted they were under the necessity of resorting for food to the precarious supplies which could be drawn from the rivers and woods fifteen eighty six in this state of distress they were found in june by sir francis drake who was then returning from a successful expedition against the spaniards in the west indies he agreed to supply them with about one hundred men four months provisions and a small vessel but before she could be brought into a place of security and the men and stores disembarked she was driven out to sea by a sudden and violent storm colonists were carried back to england by drake discouraged by this misfortune and worn out with fatigue and famine the colonists unanimously determined to abandon the colony and were at their own request taken on board the fleet which sailed for england thus terminated the first english colony planted in america the only acquisition made by this expensive experiment was a better knowledge of the country and its inhabitants grenville plants a second colony a few days after the departure of drake with lane and his associates a small vessel which had been dispatched by raleigh with a supply of provisions reached its place of destination not finding the colonists this vessel returned to england soon after its departure sir richard grenville arrived with three ships and ample supplies having searched in vain for the colonists he had left and being unable to conjecture their fate he placed fifteen men in the island with provisions for two years for the purpose of retaining possession of the country and return to england destroyed by the indians this small party was soon destroyed by the indians fifteen eighty seven not discouraged by the ill success which had thus far attended his efforts to make a settlement in america raleigh in the following year fitted out three ships under the command of captain john white and it is said directed the colony to be removed to the waters of the chesapeake which bay had been discovered by lane in the preceding year instructed by calamity he adopted more efficacious means for preserving and continuing the colony than had before been used the number of men was greater they were accompanied by some women 
and their supply of provisions was more abundant mr white was appointed their governor twelve assistants were assigned him as a council and a charter incorporating them by the name of the governor and assistance of the city of raleigh in virginia was granted them third colony arrives thus prepared for a permanent settlement they arrived in july at roanoke where they received the melancholy intelligence of the loss of their countrymen who had been left there by sir richard grenville they determined however to remain at the same place and began to make the necessary preparations for their accommodation aware of the danger to be apprehended from the hostile disposition of their neighbours they endeavoured to effect a reconciliation with the natives one of whom who had accompanied amadas and barlow to england and who was distinguished by his unshaken attachment to the english was christened and styled lord of dasa montpique an indian nation in the neighbourhood about the same time the first child of english parentage was born in america she was the daughter of ananias dare and after the place of her birth was named virginia soon perceiving their want of many things essential to the preservation and comfortable subsistence of a new settlement the colonists with one voice deputed their governor to solicit those specific aids which their situation particularly and essentially required on his arrival in england he found the whole nation alarmed at the formidable preparations for their invasion made by philip the second of spain and raleigh grenville and the other patrons of the colony ardently engaged in those measures of defence which the public danger demanded mingling however with his exertions to defend his native country some attention to the colony he had planted raleigh found leisure to fit out a small fleet for its relief the command of which was given to sir richard grenville but the apprehensions from the spanish armament still increasing the ships of force prepared by raleigh were detained in port by order of the queen and sir richard grenville was commanded not to leave cornwall where his services were deemed necessary fifteen eighty eight on the twenty second of april white put to sea with two small barks but instead of hastening to the relief of his distressed countrymen wasted his time in cruising and being beaten by a superior force was totally disabled from prosecuting his voyage fifteen eighty nine raleigh assigns his patent the attention of raleigh being directed to other more splendid objects he assigned his patent to sir thomas smith and a company of merchants in london fifteen ninety after this transfer a year was permitted to elapse before any effort was made for the relief of the colony in march three ships fitted out by the company in one of which mr white embarked sailed from plymouth but having cruelly and criminally wasted their time in plundering the spaniards in the west indies they did not reach hatteras until the month of august third colony lost they fired a gun to give notice of their arrival and sent a party to the place where the colony had been left but no vestige of their countrymen could be found in attempting the next day to go to roanoke one of the boats in passing a bar was half filled with water another was overset and six men were drowned two other boats were fitted out with nineteen men to search the island thoroughly on which the colony had been left at the departure of mr white it was in contemplation to remove about fifty miles into the country and it had been agreed that should the colonists leave the island they would carve the name of the place to which they should remove on some tree door or post with the addition of a cross over as a signal of distress if they should be really distressed at the time of changing their situation after considerable search the word croatan was found carved in fair capital letters on one of the chief posts but unaccompanied by the sign of distress which had been agreed on croatan was the name of an indian town on the north side of cape lookout and for that place the fleet weighed anchor the next day meeting with a storm and several accidents they were discouraged from proceeding on their voyage and determining 
to suspend their search return to the west indies the company made no farther attempt to find these lost colonists nor has the time or the manner of their perishing ever been discovered sixteen o two voyage of gosnold the subsequent voyages made by the english to north america were for the sole purpose of traffic and were unimportant in their consequences until the year sixteen o two when one was undertaken by bartholomew gosnold which contributed greatly to the revival of the then dormant spirit of colonizing in the new world he sailed from falmouth in a small bark with thirty-two men and steering nearly west reached the american continent on the eleventh of may in about forty-three degrees of north latitude finding no good harbor at this place gosnold put to sea again and stood southward the next morning he descried a promontory which he called cape cod and holding his course along the coast as it stretched to the southwest touched at two islands the first of which he named martha's vineyard and the second elizabeth's island having passed some time at these places examining the country and trading with the natives he returned to england this voyage was completed in less than four months and was attended with important consequences gosnold had found a healthy climate a rich soil good harbors and a route which shortened considerably the distance to the continent of north america he had seen many of the fruits known and prized in europe blooming in the woods and had planted european grain which grew rapidly encouraged by this experiment and delighted with the country he formed the resolution of transporting thither a colony and of procuring the co-operation of others by whom his plan might be supported so unfortunate however had been former attempts of this sort that men of wealth and rank though strongly impressed by his report of the country were slow in giving full faith to his representations and in entering completely into his views one vessel was fitted out by the merchants of bristol and another by the earl of southampton and lord arundel of water in order to learn whether gosnell's account of the country was to be considered as a just representation of its state or as the exaggerated description of a person fond of magnifying his own discoveries both returned with a full confirmation of his veracity and with the addition of so many new circumstances in favour of the country as greatly increased the desire of settling it richard hacklett prebendary of westminster a man of distinguished learning and intelligence contributed more than any other by his judicious exertions to form an association sufficiently extensive powerful and wealthy to execute the often renewed and often disappointed project of establishing colonies in america at length such an association was formed and a petition was presented to james i who had succeeded to the crown of england praying the royal sanction to the plan which was proposed that pacific monarch was delighted with it and immediately acceded to the wishes of its projectors patent to sir thomas gates and others on the tenth of april letters patent were issued under the great seal of england to the petitioners sir thomas gates and his associates granting to them those territories in america lying on the sea-coast between the thirty-fourth and forty-fifth degrees of north latitude and which either belonged to that monarch or were not then possessed by any other christian prince or people and also the islands adjacent thereto or within one hundred miles thereof they were divided at their own desire into two companies one consisting of certain knights gentlemen merchants and other adventurers of the city of london and elsewhere was called the first colony and was required to settle between the thirty-fourth and forty-first degrees of north latitude the other consisting of certain knights gentlemen merchants and other adventurers of bristol exeter plymouth and elsewhere was named the second colony and was ordered to settle between the thirty-eighth and forty-fifth degrees of north latitude yet so that the colony last formed should not be planted with one hundred miles of the prior establishment 
the adventurers were empowered to transport so many english subjects as should be willing to accompany them who with their descendants were at all times to enjoy the same liberties within any other dominions of the crown of england as if they had remained or were born within the realm a council consisting of thirteen to be appointed and removed at the pleasure of the crown was established for each colony to govern it according to such laws as should be given under the sign manual and privy seal of england two other boards to consist also of thirteen persons each and to be appointed by the king were invested with the superior direction of the affairs of the colonies the adventurers were allowed to search for and open mines of gold silver and copper yielding one-fifth of the two former metals and one-fifteenth of the last to the king and to make a coin which should be current both among the colonists and natives the president and council were authorized to repel those who should without their authority attempt to settle or trade within their jurisdiction and to seize and detain the persons and effects of such intruders until they should pay a duty of two and one half per centum ad valorum if subjects but a five per centum if aliens these taxes were to be applied for twenty-one years to the use of the adventurers and were afterwards to be paid into the royal exchequer code of laws for the colony drawn up by the king while the council for the patentees were employed in making preparations to secure the benefits of their grant james was assiduously engaged in the new and to his vanity the flattering task of framing a code of laws for the government of the colonies about to be planted having at length prepared this code he issued it under the sign manual and privy seal of england by these regulations he vested the general superintendence of the colonies in a council in england composed of a few persons of consideration and talents the church of england was established the legislative and executive powers within the colonies were vested in the president and councils but their ordinances were not to touch life or member were to continue in force only until made void by the king or his council in england for virginia and were to be in substance consonant to the laws of england they were enjoined to permit none to withdraw the people from their allegiance to himself and his successors and to cause all persons so offending to be apprehended and imprisoned until reformation or in cases highly offensive to be sent to england to receive punishment no person was to be permitted to remain in the colony without taking the oath of obedience tumults mutiny and rebellion murder and incest were to be punished with death and for these offences the criminal was to be tried by a jury inferior crimes were to be punished in a summary way at the direction of the president and council lands were to be holden within the colony as the same estates enjoyed in england kindness towards the heathen was enjoined and a power reserved to the king and his successors to ordain farther laws so that they were consonant to the jurisprudence of england under this charter and these laws which manifest at the same time a total disregard of all political liberty and a total ignorance of the real advantages which a parent state may derive from its colonies which vest the higher powers of legislation in persons residing out of the country not chosen by the people nor affected by the laws they make and yet leave commerce unrestrained the patentees proceeded to execute the arduous and almost untried task of peopling a strange distant and uncultivated land covered with woods and marshes and inhabited only by savages easily irritated and when irritated more fierce than the beasts they hunted End of chapter 1